0: Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Hey, everybody, David Nagel here. Welcome to another episode of the Successful Mind Podcast. We are we're right at Christmas, like it's, it's a couple of days till Christmas, and um, uh, what a happy time of year, right? So whether you celebrate the holidays or not, I wanted to kind of dedicate this, uh, this podcast to a very specific idea that can allow us um, to really begin to find joy and happiness uh, in our life. And I wanted to bring a couple of teachings to this because I actually think that if you begin to really think about what's going on inside of yourself, it allows you to have much more of a breakthrough in life um, because the natural state, I mean, there is this natural state of love and peace and joy that's in us, but very few people, I shouldn't say very few people, many people have a very difficult time actually getting, uh, getting to it. So here's, so here's the idea. Here's this, here's this idea. I always like comparing um, uh, nature, if you will, wildlife, uh, and the natural state that that lives in to us and and how we react with the world, how we see the world. Both things are created with this idea of more life and there is, this, there is this, this livingness that happens, right? I mean, we see life be born, we see, we see life live, and we see life die and, and, and transition. So when we're looking at nature, we're looking at something that is, for the most part, uh, uninterrupted uh, by man. And I'm also fully aware that a big part of this idea is that we are observing nature. When I say we, what is the we that is in us that is actually observing nature? It's the higher self that is always doing the observing, and it's important to understand that because if we're going to if we're going to start to create or or, or fracture this separation in our mind, so that we can witness our true self witnessing our programmer reacted self, it's great to think about what is the me in me or what is the i in me that is observing how i think how i'm how i'm feeling how i'm experiencing life and yeah like how i'm experiencing nature so this is the this is the interesting thing about this if you watch nature nature does this really interesting thing where it goes through the livingness of itself but it does not carry the trauma. It does not carry the grief. It does not carry the pain in which it experiences within through its next existence. In other words, it can have an experience. It could be a painful experience. It could be a frightening experience. And yet, once that experience is over, nature continues to move on. So let me just tell you this story, but this this happened to me. When I lived in Maryland, I had uh, my office in my home and we, were, we lived on a golf course, so it was wintertime, there was snow, uh, you, you kind of overlooked the golf course, and then on the other side of the golf course, there was this field, so this was big, expansive field, and on the north end of the field, there was this hedgerow. So I'm sitting there, and I, uh, I was working, but I happened to be looking uh, out the window. Or actually, I was—you know—it wasn't even like I was looking out the window. The the window was in front of me while I was working. So something caught my attention, and I saw this cat come out of the hedgerow, and it 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 was like it was probably stalking a mouse or something. It was like doing that little that little creep walk, you know, that that a cat does. And it's starting to move out, and as I'm watching this. About 20 yards down the hedgerow from the cat, unbeknownst to the cat, is this it was either a coyote or a fox. I don't quite remember which one it was, because it was so it was so amazing what happened. But we'll just call it a coyote for the for the sake of this story. This coyote starts to come out of the hedgerow and it's looking at the cat. And I'm going, Holy shit. I'm like, cat dude, wake up, like turn around. There's a coyote behind. You, you could tell, you knew instantly that this was going to be like an old episode of Mutual of Omaha, you know, and, and, and this, this coyote is going to go after this cat. So I, I called my wife in, I called my, one of my kids in, and we're sitting in there, and we're watching this nature show unfold right in front of us, and all of a sudden, the cat becomes aware of that coyote, and the cat bolts, and it is hauling ass across this field, and the coyote's chasing it, and they're going around in circles, and and the, the cat uh, is like staying way out, not way out, it's staying out in front of the coyote, but the coyote's trying its damnedest to get this cat, and we're in the office, and we're cheering on the cat, we're like, go little cat, go, come on, watch out, and there were so many times where that coyote got so close to taking the cat out, but Long story short, the cat, the cat got to safety. It ran in, into something. I couldn't tell what it was, but it ran into something, and the coyote was extremely frustrated, kicking up snow, trying to find out where the cat went, but it couldn't find the cat. And the coyote eventually gets bored, and it moves off uh, and goes away. About, it seemed like about a half an hour. I don't know. It might have been longer. might have been shorter. All of a sudden, I see the cat back out in the field again, hunting mice. And I'm thinking to myself, that is so wild, right? it's so wild that this cat's back out there, it's hunting mice, the coyote's nowhere to be found, half an hour ago it's running for its life, has several close calls uh, with, uh, you know, with, a, with, a, with a natural order of things uh, in the universe, and yet now it's out there doing, doing its thing. It didn't have to go to a cat psychiatrist. It's not over at the cat bar getting loaded and smoking and telling all its buddies about its bad adventure. It's not full of drama. There's no story. It's not journaling. It didn't have to hire a coach to solve its problems. Um, And even better than that, it's back doing what it's supposed to do, as natural as anything. And I'm sitting there thinking, You know, it's really fascinating because if you observe nature, what you notice is that trauma, pain, uh, whatever it is that nature is experiencing, as it experiences those things, it lets it go. It does not hold on to it. It doesn't hold on to it. It doesn't harbor it. Um, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows if it actually remembers it, Uh, But it doesn't remember it. If it does, it does not remember it in a way where it then creates a story out of it and then retells the story to itself over and over again. So it becomes literally free of its experience and continues to move on. Yet we also know that it learns from the experience. It gets better because of the experience. And, of course, the way nature works is that nature weeds out the weak. So if it's actually weak uh, in that scenario, it, it it gets weeded out. Now, where else do we see this natural letting go of frustration, anger, fear, grief, sadness, this type of stuff? We see this with very little children. Very little children, before they've gotten too much programming from mom and dad, they will have something happen and throw a bloody tantrum right in the middle of the floor or a bloody tantrum at the mall or or at the movie theater or the restaurant, wherever they are, if they have enough frustration or enough uh, series of things you know, went wrong, maybe their sister took something or their brother took something from them or whatever, they'll lose it. And it will be a dramatic outpouring of this emotion. It doesn't matter who's there. It doesn't matter who's watching. It just goes out of their body. And when it's over, they go back to doing what they were doing. There's no story. There's no harboring the problem. It's a a complete release of the energy, and they go back to doing the thing that they were doing before. So why is it then, if we have this natural ability in us that seems to be in all of nature, to release the pain, grief, trauma, anger, frustrations, so on and so forth, out of us, to, to be able to move forward healthy, that we see most adults do not do this. In fact, most adults, what they do is they have experiences that are painful in some way, and instead of experiencing the pain, they stuff the pain back down inside of themselves so they don't have to experience it, and then with the attempt to move forward with what they were doing, but it creates more problems and exacerbates the original problem that they were having. Here's, here's what's going on. What's interesting is that the human being, the, the core self, the higher self of us, it wants to let this go. It wants to let those experiences go. It wants to release them. It does not want to remember them and hold on to them and harbor them. But as a child begins to grow up, it begins to learn something very unique that we don't see in nature. And that is we get the discipline and the correction from our parents that it's not okay to throw that tantrum. It's not okay to express what it is that we're feeling. And very often shame and guilt are actually used in the discipline of those activities. So, so what then happens is that the child begins to associate in its mind and its emotional pattern pain to releasing the pain. And once they begin to associate pain to releasing the pain, then the child doesn't want to release the pain anymore. So as we start to move through the natural order of things in the human being's world, we go from you know, the kid playing at home, the kid gets frustrated, is able to release it, but then is that we have to prepare that child to go to school or it starts to become inconvenient when that child throws a tantrum in the middle of the mall. I think we've all seen that uh, from time to time. Not only have I seen it, I've experienced it with my children. It starts to become inconvenient, in many cases embarrassing for for the parent, and they begin to make that child wrong for the natural way that we're designed to release that energy from ourselves. Because it's after the release of that energy that we're calm, we're peaceful, and generally we're happy again. But when the parent makes the child wrong for doing that, when the the parent is not only making the child wrong, but literally attaching shame and guilt into the child for actually expressing that to begin with, we end up with this scenario with this child moving through life and then now it's experiencing all the other places where it cannot be free and express itself whenever it does feel frustrated. Now supposedly we're supposed to be learning coping mechanisms uh, for this in our life and coping mechanisms in, in my experience for most people don't really work very well because they're not coming from a place of truth. They're coming from a place of teaching a person how to compartmentalize um, frustrated emotions, hurt emotions, painful emotions, so that they can continue on with life. When the child goes to school, it can't throw a tantrum in school. It learns that really quick. If it's going to church or it's getting a religious education, it can't do that there. It learns that really quick. It certainly can't do it when it's with its peer group. Uh, When the child starts to become a teenager, it's very inappropriate for a teenager to do that. When a child becomes a young adult and an adult and begins to go into the workforce, they can't throw a tantrum in the middle of the office. Uh, They can't kick and scream. They can't release those things when they get unbelievably frustrated or angry. They have to continue on, do the job. They're expected to be able to move through that and we call that emotionally healthy. What happens? It's all being bottled up. So it becomes one story after another story after another story after another story. Here's a metaphor for this, right? If you want to get a visual of what this looks like. Imagine if you had a meal, say you, say your breakfast meal. You had a breakfast meal, you took the dirty dishes, you put them in the sink, You have a lunch meal. You take the dirty dishes and put them in the sink. Every time you go to have another meal, you don't clean the dishes that are in the sink and reuse those. You take new dishes out of the cupboard and you use those. And when they're done, you just keep stacking them. Well, after a couple of days, you're going to have a mountain of dirty dishes in the sink. And there's no ignoring that. It starts to stink. It starts to rot. Uh, It's horrible to look at. But the idea is that instead of dealing with those dirty dishes, we just keep piling on the next set and piling on the next set and piling on the next set. Many people are going through life with years of literally one hurt, one grief, one angry moment after another, after another, after another, one frustration after another, after another. Being piled on top of them, inside of ourselves, And pushing them down. The anger, the frustration that we experience, it very often wants to come up from the inside and express itself out into our life, but we don't want to experience it. We don't want to feel it. Human beings do this crazy thing where they do not want to feel the bad emotions. So they do anything to stop feeling those emotions. They may eat too much, drink too much, drug too much. Um, They'll escape in all different kinds of ways. We will go through, I mean, huge industries have been created with the idea of having people live so they don't have to experience negative emotions. We call that escapism. It's not the natural way that it's supposed to be. So... We have this issue where instead of allowing ourselves to feel, allowing ourselves to understand what's actually happening in ourselves, we suppress it. We want to keep pushing it down, pushing it down, pushing it down. Then anything that we push down, anything that we keep suppressing inside of ourselves, it starts to come out in other directions. You know, It'll come out at work or it'll come out with a spouse or it'll come out and you'll project it onto your children. Um, You see this with road rage, like people do this with road rage. Somebody cuts them off, somebody does something, whether it's on purpose or accident, the person in the car flies off the handle, completely loses it, they're cutting people off, they're chasing cars, they're riding somebody's bumper, they're flipping them off, they're screaming at them through the window. I mean, in all the years that I've been driving, I've seen some horrific, horrific cases Uh, of road rage, Um, ones that are just truly frightening, just really, truly frightening. And we get to this place where we literally start to become sick inside because of this, because we do not understand how to deal with it. And it's almost like somebody has put a door over a door because we have this door of like it's not appropriate to let it out but then when shame and guilt are actually attached to these emotions we can't seem to get them out because now we're dealing with more pain now here's the thing the more the more emotions that we have stuffed down inside of us that are not good the more shame and guilt we've attached to those emotions the more painful it becomes to let those emotions out and actually deal with them in any kind of a healthy way at all. So I want to give everybody a couple of tools to use. And I think it's a great idea that you start. You can start practicing them right now, right through the holiday season. It's a wonderful thing because this happens to be a time of year where very often we find ourselves in situations where we're around people where, um, you know, they're familiar, we've got family, there's old stories running, things can get a little tense at times, sometimes there's a little too much alcohol. Uh, we all know, we we all know the the, the dreaded family stories that, that sometimes happen during holidays. And overall, holidays can be a stressor for a lot of people for many different reasons, and especially right now with COVID going on. Some people can't see their family. Um, Some people are stuck with their family. They can't because they're all in the same house. There's no place to go. People can't get away from each other. It's a really good idea to to start to use some of the tools that I'm going to give you today to be able to deal with these things, but more importantly, to be able to really get to know yourself better. So that you can kind of reprogram yourself and reframe yourself to move through life without these kinds of frustrations. When I, before I learned any of this, I'll never forget when I was back working on a dock driving a forklift uh, in the in the late '80s, early '90s. The I would go to work and get in trouble for something, and I would scream at the boss like top of my lungs, scream four letter words never take responsibility for anything, blame everybody else. My response to dealing with the frustration was to fight back, not to express my frustration in my own healthy way, but to project it onto other people as actually them being the problem. And when I first started to learn uh, this idea, I did not realize that the real reason something would make me angry or upset was because of the meaning that I was attaching to it was a meaning of anger, or a meaning of hurt, or a meaning of shame, or a meaning of guilt. I was giving things some kind of meaning that represented pain to me. It didn't represent love, peace, freedom, kindness, joy, didn't represent anything like that. And I remember hearing somewhere along the line, and like one of the first cassette tapes I listened to, or um, maybe it was a book that I read, some concepts of this idea that human beings give meaning to everything. And I was thinking to myself, how can anything possibly have a different meaning? Like, how can that possibly be? This means this. This means this. This is a pen. I can't give this pen a different fucking meaning. It's a fucking pen, right? And I was indignant about the idea that the meanings that I had given things in life, that they were absolute. It made no sense to me that anything could have a, a, a different meaning. What I now know that I didn't know then was that in that moment, There was no separation in my mind between me as my higher self and me as this wounded young man who never learned uh, anything different in their life except how to react to life. So what's important to know about this is that there's some things that you can do where you can actually start to see this. So if you think to yourself, When I'm noticing myself going through something, who's doing the noticing? What part of me is actually noticing the fact that I'm going through something, right? If I notice that I'm angry, right? Not just angry, but I notice that I'm angry. If I notice that I'm sad, here's another way of looking at it. If you ever have a dream, you wake up in the morning and you tell somebody, I had a dream. Well, who had the dream? Who had the dream and who was actually looking at the dream, right? Because are you telling the dream from the person who was in the dream or are you telling about the dream from the person who was observing you in the dream? There's that observer. And that's the part of us that is our higher consciousness and not just the flesh and bone and thought evolved being that we are. There's another side to us. And when you understand that that side's there and you start to recognize it and see it, you're like, oh, there's some understanding that comes with that because I literally can observe myself doing things. Even if I can't stop myself from doing it, even if I don't know why I'm doing it, I can still observe myself doing it. And in the observation of that, what I may not be conscious of at first, but totally exists, is the ability to make a different choice. It allows me to do something that's absolutely remarkable, and that is I can detach or separate from what's happening in my life at that moment, and I can let it happen. So one of the first skill sets that I learned was the ability to be able to separate or detach. And that meant that meant basically this. Take something that's happening in your life that you don't like, right? Something during your day, it, it happens, you don't like it. Observe yourself not liking it first and then say something like this, isn't this interesting? What that does is it allows you to focus more on the fact that you're the observer and not bring judgment to what's happening. But you have to be consciously do that. Don't judge what's happening, allow it to happen. When you go into judgment, what's generally happening in that moment is the fear side of yourself is trying to take over, and it's thinking about why it needs to stop what's happening from happening. Also, there's the shame and guilt side that takes over that says you shouldn't feel good about what it is that you're experiencing right now. When you step back and you say, isn't this interesting, and you just watch whatever happened play out, you can allow the natural order of things to play out in front of you, and then When that's over, the cool thing is is that you literally can step back and you can evaluate what happened. You can look at it with with a completely different level of consciousness. You can ask yourself, what does this need right now? And then you can determine what action, if any, needs to be taken. The great thing about this though is that you're seeing something that you've never seen before. When I get when I get like I'm totally I'm angry and I'm pissed off and damn it this is not supposed to happen and I get in that place I feel out of control I'm afraid of something I don't, may not know what it is and what I want is I want this to stop I want if, if I'm interacting with another individual and they're pissing me off I want them to stop right all everything in my being wants it to stop because. I'm afraid to experience it just as it is. And the reason that I'm afraid to experience it is because I've lost the connection with myself that has the natural ability to do so. Like once you start doing this, you're going to find that this is actually so easy it'll blow your mind and it totally changes your experience of life. It brings you so many more options about what you can do, the choices that you make, and it, it elevates the quality of your life. Imagine if you were in a room with family and friends and they weren't getting along. Maybe it was a Christmas dinner or some holiday celebration. Maybe somebody had too much to drink Maybe it was one of those things where an uncle hit on a cousin or somebody else's wife or somebody made a rude comment at dinner and everything's uncomfortable and you start to see people get tense and afraid and angry and somebody's snapping at one person, one another person snapping at another, or you're having an experience where somebody is maybe verbally or emotionally attacking you, berating you, or, or not treating you well and you want to defend yourself or you want to get out of there. If you practice stepping back and going, isn't this interesting? You not only become the observer of yourself, you become the observer of what's happening with everybody else. And it allows you to experience it in in, in its fullness, in its entirety. After you do this a few times, there's something really magical about this that happens. What happens is it's almost like the higher side of yourself that knows the truth realizes that the majority of the time that something like this happens, nothing's gonna happen. Like there was nothing really to be afraid of. Now I'm not talking about if somebody's chasing you with a knife or you got a road rage idiot trying to cut you off on the on the road. I think all of those things, those scenarios, might be a little bit different. I'm talking about the things that happen to us every day that make us angry, sad, frustrated, jealous, um, you know, vindictive, experiencing any kind of a negative emotion, where we're really trying to run away from the emotion and not experience it. We're trying to stop it. We're projecting on to other people, and we're and we're in that moment we're losing our consciousness. We're we're totally out of out of the consciousness of going, okay, what is the truth about this? So if I say, if I'm in an experience, wham, I'm in this experience, right? Things aren't going right. Maybe I show up to work and something went horribly wrong. I can say, isn't this interesting? And just let it be for the moment. And you might think to yourself, but David, I've got to do something. Don't I have to do something? No, you don't have to do something. If the house is on fire, you may have to get everybody out of the house. But if it's your average thing that goes wrong if you just stand back and actually it's even it's even more than just average like it can be major things that go wrong unless unless there's a life on the line right at the second you can step back and you could say isn't this interesting and you could experience the fullness of it well here's what you'll observe you'll observe whatever this train wreck is come in you'll observe it and it'll pass out It'll pass away, it'll pass through. So literally, it moves through. You're having this experience, and whatever this is moves through the experience, and you're observing it move through the experience without judgment. When you do that, you're getting back to your natural self. You're getting back to your higher self. You're like the cat that was chased by the coyote. Once it passed, the cat was fine. It went back about doing what it was doing. It did not attach meaning to the coyote experience other than in the experience it needed to, it needed to get to safety. But afterwards, it, he didn't run a story about the coyote. He got back to living. He got back to being at peace. He got back to doing whatever it is that the cat does. And we can get back to doing whatever we're doing, which is hopefully it's peace, love, and joy for the life that we're actually living. But it, but it creates this higher consciousness of ourselves because at, the more you use this tool, the better at this you get. And what you find out is that the less frustration you experience in life in in its entirety. Like I get frustrated from time to time. I'm a human being, but not much, not much. And actually, getting outright angry or like enraged, like I did when I was younger, that hardly ever happens. Like I can't remember last time I was enraged about something. You know. Why? Because I can let it pass through. I can look at it and say, Isn't this interesting? I don't, I have, I really, for the most part, have disconnected attaching meaning to things in my mind. Um, I'm willing for it to be whatever it is. I stay in this idea also of what is the truth about this? Instead of immediately attaching a meaning to something, whether it comes from the need to be right, the need not to be wrong, Not wanting to be afraid, not wanting to be embarrassed. I mean, think about how many emotions you experience that aren't good because you need to be right. You don't want to be wrong. You don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to look a fool. um, uh, You don't. You're. You feel jealous. Like imagine. You know. You're. You're envious of something. any kind of anger, or you're deeply hurt, or maybe even if like if you feel rejected, like feeling rejected for a lot of people is a huge, huge trouble emotion for them. If you didn't have to feel those things, what could the thing that you're experiencing actually mean? Now, here's what I mean by, about that. Everything in the universe has a polar opposite, right? It's equal and opposite. Whatever you're experiencing has two sides. Imagine you see the person that says, and every we've all seen a somebody who says this, there can't be anything good about a two-year-old that dies from cancer. What's good about a two-year-old that dies from cancer? In, In the moment that the person is experiencing being, needing to be so right and so enraged about that principle, about that observation, of course they can't see anything else because all they're focused on is the need to be right about that scenario, the need to be angry about that scenario. So they can't see anything else about it. But as we know with everything in the universe, everything has an opposite. Everything that we experience bad is also equally good. When we move out of judgment, so if we stay, if we say, Isn't this interesting? What is the truth about this? What I do is I detach from the neurotic need to give something meaning. And When I no longer have it to to give it that meaning, I can be like really certain about the experience that I'm having. I can be really clear about staying in the place of, I just want to be open to the truth. If I can stay open to the truth in this scenario, I can change my experience and I can now experience the good that's in this. And the good that's in this will always move my life forward in a good way. The bad that's in something won't necessarily do that, although it does have the potential. Some people do things better because they experience something bad. But more often than not, what ends up happening is it gives a person another reference for things are bad. And then we stockpile those references like the dirty dishes. And before you know it, the whole world looks like a filthy kitchen, right? So again, here's the the process, here's the tool. Something goes wrong externally or internally you state you recognize that it's happening you say isn't this interesting you allow it to pass through without judgment you just observe you observe outside of yourself what's happening and you observe inside of yourself what's happening notice how you feel notice how you're breathing notice any if, if any emotions are coming up or going down after it passes you ask yourself what is the truth about this? And then you allow the truth, the higher answer, to come to your consciousness. Now, it may not come that moment. It might take a day. It might take a week for it to come. But you stay in that question of what is the truth in this? And as you stay in that question, what you're doing is you're allowing yourself to be open to a different answer. The answers are always here, But we generally don't get the answer if, A, we're not asking an intelligent question and, B, we're not open to what the answer is. If we're coming from a need to be right about an answer or a need not to be wrong about something else, then our mind gets focused, hyper-focused on only those two possibilities. When I come from what is the truth in this, I open myself to all possibilities, When I open myself to all possibilities, I can make an intelligent decision. I can make an intelligent choice about doing something different. All right? I hope everybody has a fantastic holiday. Use this. Let us know how you're doing with it. I would really love to hear feedback on after you've applied this. How how has it helped? Did it help with the family? Did it help with the spouse? Did it help at work? Did it help with your kids? Stay in touch with us and let us know. Happy holidays, everyone.